0: Second Chronicles chapter 26. Does this look familiar? Does this look like this time of the year? Okay. Potholes. Not that Pennsylvania has potholes. Okay. But they're all over, aren't they? And man, a days can they do some damage. I don't know if this has ever happened to you where you hit one and all of a sudden your alignment goes bad or you hit one and you blow out your tire or your tire falls off. Okay. now here's a few people who have hit big potholes, and it gets a whole lot worse for those individuals when they hit something that's you know really big or like this that's a big pothole, or like this, okay, that's just plain you know immersion <laughs> or like that one that's a pothole, okay. yeah oh yeah, my is right, okay that this happens absolutely, you know, and I appreciate the humor of some people with potholes, you know go fishing in them. Or just, you know, set them up to make them look really bad. Okay. It's that time of the year. It's that time of the year that there's potholes. have got to be careful. For you and me as a church, I've been thinking about this the last month while I've not been preaching and absolutely doing nothing. I've uh, <laughs> been thinking in my mind, you know what? Things are going really good. You have responded as a church phenomenally during the missions month. But it's that time of the year we need to be careful. Every time of the year we need to be careful. But here we go, we just had a, you know, a wonderful time, and you and I need to be careful of the potholes of life, or maybe we should be a little bit more serious and pointed for us. We need to beware of the potholes of success. When it comes to doing missions, most people will look at our church with what's happened in the last few weeks and say it's successful when, when you do a missions conference the way you did when you get involved the way you got involved when you gave as you gave every one of the missionaries come through they are you read their notes you saw them they are impressed by you as a congregation in your focus on missions they that encourages that builds them up you've successfully ministered to many of our guests and to many missionaries around the world but we're at a spot where we say wait a minute with that success we need to be careful there's a character in Scripture in Second Chronicles chapter 26 who is an extremely successful servant of the Lord, but all of a sudden he fell into one of those potholes of life. His name is one that you've probably read of. You probably read know his account, and some of you can probably teach this or have taught this. It's told in Second Chronicles 26, it's Uzziah the king of Israel. He's one of the descendants of David. He is the king, one of the kings over Judah. And we read about him when we start reading in chapter 26. Then all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, made him king in the room of his father Amaziah. He built Elot, restored it to Judah. After that, the king slept with his father. 16 years old was Uzziah when he began to reign. He reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was, you can say it, and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father Amaziah did. He sought the Lord in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the vision of God, and as long as He sought the Lord, the Lord God prospered Him in many ways. He went forth, warred with the Phil- against the Philistines, break down the wall of Gath. Anybody remember who came from Gath? Yeah. Yeah. the wall of Jabna, the wall of Ashdod, built cities about Ashdod and among the Philistines. God helped him against the Philistines and against the Arabians that dwelt in Gerbael and against the Mahunans and the Ammonites gave gifts to Uzziah. They used to be, they were one of those raiders during the book of Judges that we read about in our study in Judges. His name spread abroad even to the entering in of Egypt for he strengthened himself exceedingly. Moreover Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate, at the valley gate, at the turning of the wall and fortified them he built towers in the desert and digged many wells, for he had much cattle, both in the low country and in the plains, husbandmen also and vine dressers in the mountains and in Carmel, for he loved farming. Moreover, Uzziah had a host of fighting men that went out to war by bands, according to the number of their account, by the hand of Geel, the scribe, and Messiah, the ruler, under the hand of Hananiah, one of the king's captains, and a whole number of the chief of the fathers of the mighty men of valor were 2,600. David had 600 mighty men. This guy has many, many more. And under their hand was an army, 300,000 and, and, um, and that made war with mighty powers and to help the king against the enemies. And Uzziah prepared for them throughout all the whole shields, spears, helmets, hebergens, and bows, and slings to cast stones. And he made in Jerusalem engines, invented by cunning men to be on the towers upon the bulwarks, to shoot arrows and great stones withal. And his name spread far abroad, for he was marvelously helped till he was strong. This guy is amazing. You and I would say, we want him for our president. He's a good guy. He's a phenomenal guy. Here's the lessons I learned from him. There's three of them. One is, anyone who seeks the Lord will enjoy great successes. Now, that's, that's a truism. That's a principle that the Word of God gives. And we've already read some of the successes that he enjoyed. In his day, it was military success. That was important. Because up to this point, they have been a ping-pong ball being batted around in the stage of politics in, the, in that Middle East area. And so he's providing military victories that give stability to his kingdom. He's protecting the people. They're getting security. They're, they're developing modern warfare weapons, you know, the engines on the towers, shooting the arrows, things that were not developed by others. So he's far advanced. He's clever. He's smart. He's doing a great job. This is the period of greatest expansion through the kings beyond Solomon. So he's leading his nation to some, you know, the good old days under Solomon and David. That's what everybody's understanding it's like for 52 years under this man. It's going great. Things are really good. He has commercial successes. We already read about that. The farming, the digging of the wells in the desert. That means they're being able to produce crops in arid regions. So things are going good. He's a good man. He's, he's, he's fourth way. He's, he's rebuilding. He's making, he's making Judah great again. Does that sound like a motto we have going on right now? Okay. He's, that's where he's at. And the man is putting into place policies that are lasting for many people's lifetime. And they're enjoying it. Things are great. The economy is booming. You know, everybody's getting, up, getting you know, some of the crumbs falling off the table. Everybody's enjoying prosperity and peace and security. It's good days. It's really, really good days. You know, his successes personally. Man, he's he's famous. He's well known. I'm wrong that whole region, all the way down to Egypt. It said he's well known in major ports of the of the Mediterranean. They know about Uzziah. Uzziah has made a name for himself. He is popular. He's a good king. And here he is. Of that time period, of that half a century, he's the man. He would be the man of the year on the Ancient Time magazine. He's a good guy. He's a great guy. Wonderful leader. He's enjoying international, political, financial, you name it. He's enjoying success. Things are going great. You want to move. You know, If you're going to pick up and say 10 best places to live in the world, at that time, you'd want to go to Jerusalem. Things are great in Jerusalem. And so he's a drawing card. He is just, he's, he's blessed of, you know, in, in just so many different ways. In fact, you, just for you, though, you who do the histories and you really study, of all the kings in Judah, there's only five that are called the five good kings. He is one of them. You know, now I'm talking David and Solomon, but after them, five good kings. He is listed in the top five kings of, of Judah. And so, things are great. Okay, so we make, the que- we make the statement, anybody who seeks the Lord can enjoy successes based on his life, based upon passages like being in the Word of God, letting it, you know, be in your mind day and night, and you will have good success. That's the idea, like Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. And the question is, why was he so successful? I want to I want to discount a couple different commentaries that I read. That some of you you might hear this, you might be doing your Bible study, and some people say, well, he's he's you know, successful for these reasons. It's you know, it's because he was one of David's d- descendants. Therefore, he was automatically successful. That's not true. Were there other kings in the succession from David that were lousy kings? Yes. Yes. So it's not because of his position. Well, he's a king, therefore he's successful. Were there other people in a position that were really lousy leaders and brought the nation low? Yes. He isn't, he isn't successful due to his position. He isn't successful due to his pedigree, that he is a descendant of David. He isn't successful because he was given you know, this golden spoon, a silver platter, and everything was easy for him. That's not true. When he came to the throne, he had some real difficulties that none of us would want when we were, would have been put in that type of position. You think it through, he's 16 years old, he comes to the throne. Now that would be tough. The people don't know if they can trust you. The people don't know if you are going to be a good leader or not because you don't have much case history. The, the military people might, might wonder about a 16-year-old leading the armies. The financial advisors might want to do the financial advising on their own, because what 16-year-old knows how to run a business? So he's coming into, he's coming into his his position of leadership, and he's a novice. He's an unknown commodity, and yet he blossoms. So you can't say it was easy for this guy. In fact, when he comes to the throne, if you read the previous chapter, Israel, Judah, is in crises mode. His dad had been, arra- had been taken prisoner by the northern leader, King, Josiah, uh, King Joash, had taken his dad prisoner and held him for an extended period of time. And so while he was a prisoner, Joash came down into Jerusalem and raided the temple. And raided the city and plundered the city. So when Uzziah comes to the throne, his dad is really the king. And he's just filling in for his dad during part of this time. And the nation has just been raided. There's this vacuum of leadership. They are wondering about Uzziah because his dad didn't prove to be one of the greatest leaders. Losing battles and losing to their their you know, the rebel cause up north. And so, you know, the city is in financial crises. He is coming to to the spot not in an easy time. It's a difficult time. Difficulty militarily. Difficulty socially. Difficulty in a vacuum of leadership. Difficulty for the financial uh, status of the country. They're bankrupt. And he comes to the throne. So he's taking charge when things are not looking so good. And he becomes a tremendous leader. And turns it all around. This wouldn't have been easy. It wasn't handed to him. So I ask you again, why was he successful? It's not because he was easy and he inherited all all an easy road. It's not because he was of a certain family. It's not because he had a position. The passage states clearly the reason he was successful was for this reason. Verse 4. Verse 5, it's because his walk with the Lord. It says in verse 4, he did that which was right in the sight of God. He is, the author is emphasizing this is why he's successful. We already read in verse 5, he sought God. We also read, as he sought the Lord God, made him to prosper. It's very clear. The text wants you and me to understand. He's a good king. He's a successful king because he followed the Lord. That's it. His success is his relationship to the Lord. His success was totally tied to his fellowship with the Lord. And so we make that statement. Anyone who seeks the Lord will enjoy great successes. I'm not saying that you'll become a genius. I'm not saying that you will, you will you know, become a millionaire. I'm not saying that you should be elected president because you will you know, turn this thing around. In his case, that's how it worked out, but, I, but we are saying this: well, you can be successful in what you put your hand to as you seek the Lord. Your hand may not go as far as his did. The responsibilities may not be the same, but you can be a successful Christian businessman if you seek the Lord. You can be a successful parent if you seek the Lord. Those, parenting is where it counts. You can be a successful teacher if you seek the Lord. You can be a successful neighbor if you seek the Lord. You can be a successful you know, worker at the plant if you seek the Lord and you do what's right. And so he makes it very clear. That's, that's a principle. You know, by the way, he not only sought the Lord, but in verse 5, he brings up his friend, his advisor. Talks about Zechariah, his advisor. Surrounds himself with good people, wise people. Godly people are his advisors. So we have all of this laying out that this fella, as a teenager, starts this pattern in his life. I'm going to follow the Lord. I'm going to follow the Lord. I'm going to surround myself with godly advisors. I'm going to do that which is right. And as years go by, as decades go by, God continues to prosper and bless him. Anyone who seeks the Lord will enjoy great success. Let's make another statement based on his life. Anyone who enjoys blessings of success will face temptations to do wrong. Okay? Uh, Let's take you back to a truism. Jesus gets baptized. Jesus is declared, behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. And right after his public declarations, where does the Spirit guide Jesus? Into the wilderness where he is tempted. Okay, you go through the Bible. David has had great successes militarily. And then it says, while other kings were at war, David was on the rooftop. Okay, truism. That after every mountaintop, there is a valley. Okay, there's going to be temptations. It's going to happen. After a great missions conference, there's going to be attacks. Satan is not pleased with what we did. He doesn't want it to repeat itself. This is the season for attacks. This is the time that we have to be careful. We have to be ever so careful. Because after successes, there are temptations to do wrong. Look at the text. The text goes on, it picks up his story in verse sixteen. But when he was what's your Bible read? Verse sixteen. When he was what? When he was strong, his heart did what? Do you have do you have verse sixteen in your Bible? Second Chronicles twenty six, verse sixteen? Mine reads, When he was strong, his heart was lifted up to what? His destruction. Hmm. For he transgressed against the Lord his God and went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. And Azariah the priest went in after him and with him 80, 80 other men that were valiant men. And they withstood Uzziah the king. They said to him, it does not, it does not appertain. It's not for you unto you, Uzziah, to burn incense unto the Lord, but to the priests, the sons of Aaron, that are consecrated to burn the incense. Go out of the sanctuary, for you have trespassed, neither shall it be for thine honor from the Lord God. And Uzziah was, what's your Bible say? You know, my Bible say, my Bible, I don't know about yours, does, my Bible gives the indication, he didn't like what he heard. He got mad. He got mad that he was told to his face, you better straighten up he's the king. He's got a record. He's doing well. Hey, 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 priest, I'm bringing in economics here that are helping you guys out. I'm bringing in people. They're they're able to come down here and worship. I've done you a good job, so give me a little leeway. Give me a little liberty here. And that's not what's going to happen in this passage. What happens is, despite his spiritual background, he becomes a victim of an attack, a spiritual attack that comes from within. And let's make the observation, no matter what our spiritual background, we can fall prey. Here he is, this strong king who's been there for decades and doing right and helping things to go go along. And all of a sudden he falls to this personal attack that comes against him. And usually those attacks happen when things are going well. And all of a sudden there's an influx. The enemy wants to stop what's going on. Usually he hits this area, like he did with Jesus Christ in the temptation, you know, Let's, let's say, you know, let's prove that you are the Son of God, as if Jesus had to prove it. Have the angels come and catch you as you jump off the pinnacle. You know that temptation. You're the king. You can do whatever you want with any one of your subjects, especially the ladies. You're able to do that. You, you, you can just lift yourself up like, you know, like the great king of the Old Testament that says, Look at all this great Babylon, Babylon that I have built. Well, Uzziah comes to that point where in this area of pride, he is just, he is devastated because, what does the Bible say about pride? Pride goeth before, yeah, yeah, and it's easy. It's easy for anyone to take the credit for the blessings of success that we experience. It is easy in pride to exalt ourselves above who we are and what we, what we should be doing. It is easy, like in Uzziah's case, to all of a sudden assume authority and responsibility that's not delegated to you, but I'm going to take it. It is easy in this case to think you're the exception to the rule. You're the king. You're in charge. You've done God so many services. Truly, he's going to give you a lot of different, uh, different you know, opportunities to do what you do your own thing. And so in pride, he says, I'm going to go in and I'm going to do the priest's job. And you have to understand, in the Old Testament, the king was not the priest. He could not go in. There was only going to be one king-priest that could do both offices. And his name is Jesus the Messiah. But outside of that, God kept them separate. The king would be the political leader, the high priest would be the spiritual leader, and they were going to be kept separate. Here he comes in, he's trying to do and blend the two as if he were God's blessed an anointed Messiah. All in his pride, that he walks in and he's challenged. By the way, you and I need to be very, very careful. We need to be very careful that like Uzziah, we don't, we don't give in to these temptations that come our way. Uzziah knew better. Uzziah should have known he can't do this. The guy is, at this point, 56 years old. He's been on the throne for 40 years. He knows better. He's been one who has made sure that that during this time, those spiritual counselors are guiding and directing. He knows what the Bible says. He's He's been guided. He knows the Old Testament clearly says only the priests are to offer incense. This is not something he would have forgotten. This is not something he's never heard of before. And yet... He's tempted in the face of good opposition. He's, he's one of those type of people that when he's challenged by attitude, when he's challenged by action, instead of listening to the challenge and saying, maybe there's some truth to it, he gets angry. Now, none of us would ever do that. <laughs> none of us would be tempted to say, hey, wait a minute, you know, rethink how you're doing this. We, we, we wouldn't say, you know, I'm not going to listen to you. You're just my wife. You know, I'm not going to listen to you. You're just my, my family member. Well, that's the way he has that attitude. You're just the priest. You're underneath me. I'm the king. Pride, 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 pride. It gets lifted up and he gets so angry that when they're trying to talk to him, they're trying to stop him from doing wrong. And instead of listening, he gets mad at them. That, that seems to be a pattern. So you and I need to be very, very careful. Potholes of success. Here's our setting. We're after a great month. We're after a time where we can become very proud as a church, as individuals. That we look around and say, Hey, it's been a phenomenal missions month. God used us, and He did. God used you in phenomenal ways. But we're gonna be tempted. We don't wanna give in to pride. We don't wanna all of a sudden say, Hey, wait a minute. Now that we did a great month, we can just we can do our own thing. No, nope, no, no, no. We've got to be very, very careful. That we don't in pride, that we don't in, in you know, the, the idea of we're successful, that all of a sudden we don't give up witnessing. We've done enough. That we stop praying for missions. We've done enough. That we stop giving charity. We, we stop serving. We turn to impurities. We engage in worldliness. We stop teaching the kids. Because we don't need it. We're strong enough. Be careful. Be careful. If any man thinks he stands, be careful lest he... Yeah. So the challenge is there. Beware of the potholes of success. Some of them are big. Some are subtle. They're going to get us if we're not careful. We've got to watch out for them. Let me give you the third principle. Anyone who seeks the Lord will enjoy success. Anyone who enjoys the blessings of success, you're going to face temptations. You and me, all of us. Number three is this. Anyone who gives in to the temptations to do wrong you're going to suffer God's punishment, God's discipline. That's what happens to this man. This man doesn't think he's going to be challenged because he's the king. This man doesn't think he's going to be stopped because he's done so much for God. This man doesn't, th- doesn't think that, you know, that you know, what I'm doing is that bad because he's old. He's wise. He can get away with it. That's not true. That's not true by the text. Read on with me. What happens? It goes, it talks about they withstand him. Verse 19, he was angry. He had the censer in his hand to burn the incense. And while he was angry with the priest, a the leprosy even rose up in his forehead before the priests in the house of the Lord from beside the incense altar. And Azariah, the chief priest, and all the people looked upon him, and behold, he was leprous in his forehead. They thrust him out of that place. Yea, himself, he hastened also to go out. But they didn't have to push too hard because he was running. Because the Lord had smitten him with leprosy. And Uzziah the king was a leper unto the day of his death and dwelt in a several house or a separated house, being a leper, for he was cut off from the house of the Lord and his son over him became the regent, basically. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing what happens to this guy? This guy who's done so much when he gives in to the temptation Immediately, God is dealing with him. Now that doesn't happen all the time. Sometimes God is patient. Sometimes the the uh, the timing of discipline it takes a while, and He uses in patience and in grace, conviction and other people. And yet, sometimes it's instant. And Nice and Pharaoh falling over dead in the church service. The point is that there was some form of conviction and challenge to what he was doing, and it was immediate. It was. A challenge and conviction to an important person. Think this through. Well, I'm too important to the program of God, God wouldn't strike me, God wouldn't challenge me because other people are depending upon me. I'm a dad. My family's looking up to me. So even if I, even if I all of a sudden start playing the role at church, but I'm engaged in evil stuff, dirty stuff, filthy stuff, God's not going to discipline me because if he did, that would hurt my family. You may be important, but you're not immune to God's discipline if you don't do what's right. God, God's not going to chasten me. I'm a preacher. God's not going to chasten me. I'm a deacon. I'm a Sunday school teacher. It's not true. God will, will so is so concerned about our holiness, he will discipline any and all of us if we allow pride to take over and if we start doing what's wrong. Even if we say, yeah, but look at all I've done for God. God owes me. God won't, God won't correct me because you know, I've done a lot. That's just not true. That's not the way God operates. By the way, we forget when we say that, when we think that, we forget. It's all by his grace anyway. It's not us. It's God. It's God. And so here he is, he's, he's thinking in his mind, I can get away with this. But not with the Lord. Be sure your sin will find you out. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows. Yeah. It's very clear. It's very clear. Here this individual suffers. It's quite severe. I mean, this this one's bad. This is leprosy. This is bad in those days. This separates you from people. This is, this is the AIDS of the Old Testament. It's a bad one. And he gets, he gets it and he's, he knows. As soon as it happens, he knows. He gets himself out of there. He's got to be away from everybody. He's a social outcast. He's, a, he's now a, a, you know, a refugee from society but with an incurable disease because he's done what's wrong. You know, some of, the, some of the real challenge to me, this is the scarier part, is what happens in the days after? How does this affect his family? Interesting how you, how you read some of this. You know, there's good and there's bad that follows up. Verse 22, now the rest of the acts of Uzziah first and last did Isaiah the prophet write. So Uzziah slept with his fathers. They buried him with his fathers in the field of the burial which belonged to the Lord. And they said, he is a leper And Jotham, his son, reigned in his stead. Now watch what happens with his son. Jotham was 25 years old when he began to reign. He reigned 16 years. His mother's name is given. He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. According to all that, who did? Yeah, yeah. His impact on on his son was good. Now again, you put it together with all the years, the years of his son's formative years, the, the years that his son was growing up and getting prepared for leadership, Uzziah was doing what's right. And Uzziah knew that dad had done wrong, in fact. Howbeit he entered not into the temple of the Lord. See, he saw, as a young adult, he saw what dad did was wrong. And he learned, okay? So Uzziah didn't trip up his son. That's good. But what's the rest of the verse say? Jotham does that which is right. But what does it say about the common people who lived their lives under Uzziah's reign for 52 years? What do they do? Do they start thinking they can be an exception to the rule? Do they start getting afflicted by pride? It says, and the people did yet what? Yeah. The weaker folk the weaker saints, if you would, he stumbled them. He stumbled them to rebel against the Lord. His son didn't. He was stronger in the Lord. But those who were weaker in the Lord, man of days, his fall, his pride, greased the skids for the rest of the people to just say, hey, what's the use of living for God? Why bother? Oh, be careful. Be careful how you live. It affects other people. There's a story told about a woman in Kenya in the colonial era, era of time, that she had a houseboy there. And uh, this houseboy was doing really good, helping her with her family, her kids, things like that. And one day the houseboy came and he says, would you be so kind as to give me an advance on my allowance and just help me to, to," oh, I'm sorry. He didn't ask for an advance. He asked for permission to leave, to leave her employment. He had to get her permission. He said, I want to go to this next city and I want to be employed by so-and-so. And she didn't want to lose him, so she offered him more of his allowance. She offered a a payment in an advance just to keep him. And he made this commentary, he said, I'm not leaving because of the money or the lack of money. I'm leaving because I'm searching for a religion I can make my own. So I decided to come and work for you for four months, and, and because I heard you were a Christian, now I want to go work for this sheik who is a Muslim, and I want to work for him for four months, And I want to see which one is a true religion based upon how people live. Oh, that woman started thinking about the times that she had lost her cool. She started thinking about the times that she had talked about other people. She started thinking about the times that the houseboy probably saw her get a little bit flustered when she shouldn't have been flustered and get get harsh in her words to him or her kids or even her, her mate. And she started thinking, wow, he was watching me all this time. He was watching me all this time. And my, how I lived would make an impact upon him for making a spiritual decision. That's the way it is all the time, folk. People are watching us. Be careful. Be very careful that you don't get into the potholes. Oh, man, they can come so simply. You can be walking down the street of life and all of a sudden, boom, there you go. Down through the sidewalk. Through the pothole inside. You, you don't see it coming. It can happen. It can happen at any moment. Be careful. Be careful that that doesn't become an individual like you. Be careful that, you know, as you're in your busyness of life, it doesn't happen where all of a sudden you're not watching and boom, there you go. Okay. True accounts. Now, I know you're going to be very careful where you walk around Lebanon. Okay. Lebanon's not so bad. It's Palmyra you have to worry about. Okay. Be careful. Be careful. We go, oh, wow, ah. But what about the spiritual potholes that we run into? Be very, very careful. Be very careful.